It is a nice day out today. I gotta, I gotta agree with Tom on that. Uh, hey, good afternoon. Welcome to our dreadful little show, Jack Riccardi at five fifty and one zero seven one KTSA. What does a guy have to do? What does a guy have to do in the Biden administration to be in trouble? I mean, what do you got to do? do? Do you have to remember when Trump said I could kill somebody out on Fifth Avenue? Do, do you have to kill somebody on Fifth Avenue? You have to steal a woman's luggage and wear her clothes on television. What do you got to do in this administration? The the Republicans have decided not to impeach Alejandro Mayorkas. Have you heard this? The House took a vote on a resolution from my future wife, Marjorie Taylor Greene, to impeach Alejandro Mayorkas, the Secretary of Homeland Security. Now, this shouldn't be controversial, even if it's coming from... The crazy lady. I mean, Mayorkas is awful. He's terrible. I mean, this is, this is the worst. October was the worst month on record for illegal immigration on the southern border. And the guy is, when he's not incompetent, he's arrogant. He has that kind of daddy Warbucks aura when he testifies. Everything's fine. You know. And um, he's been he's been absolutely dismantled. John Kennedy got him. Rand Paul got him. The, the Marco Rubio, you know, he he's had his he's had his fanny handed to him in the occasions that he's had to testify. They voted against impeach. Oh, and we just found out that the price tag for accommodating the people Biden has let in is over $450 billion in the last year. 450B billion dollars. That's all these stories you've read about hotel rooms in New York City and Boston and, and here, and obviously all the medical care and delivering babies and all of this. $450 billion is the price tag. So they... They had a resolution. She introduced, Marjorie Taylor Greene introduced a resolution that would begin the impeachment of Alejandro Mayorkas, the Secretary of Homeland Security. Now, I could understand if somebody said, um, I, 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 you know, I don't know if he should be impeached, but I want to hear the case. I want to hear the facts. I want to be an impartial juror. I could maybe understand that. I cannot understand any Republican who voted against even considering this, but eight of them did. Eight of them did. John Duarte of California. See if you see the pattern here, by the way. Cliff Bentz of Oregon. Ken Buck of Colorado. Daryl Issa of California, very disappointed in him. He's usually a pretty solid guy. Patrick McHenry of North Carolina. McHenry, remember, was the acting speaker before Mike Johnson. Tom McClintock of California. Virginia Fox of North Carolina. Mike Turner, Ohio. The pattern I see is that these are all uh, states that Biden won except Ohio. And these are probably, if we looked it up, these are probably people that, they're probably Republican reps who are in Biden voting districts. And they think they're going to have it both ways, and the alligator will eat them last. 
because they took a stand against impeaching Mayorkas. Uh, Duarte said, the congressman from California said, we don't have time for this because of the impending government uh, funding deadline on Friday. Well, dude, you were just going to vote to begin the impeachment. You were going to do the impeachment this week. He's not going to be impeached before Friday. I mean, I'm not even in Congress, and I understand that. But what is what is the excuse with the Republicans? What is the excuse? When we had the Trump administration, they were impeaching everybody that, that looked out the window, the Democrats, right? They wanted to impeach everybody. They wanted to impeach people we didn't even have an opinion about. Rex Tillerson, impeach him. You were like, well, I don't even know what he does. Mayorkas, if you can't impeach Mayorkas, you can't do anything. You aren't worth squat. The guy is a disaster. And even if it isn't his policy, he fronts it, he makes the excuses for it, he's taken ownership of it. So even if you wanted to say, well, Jack, if you, and I've even said this, if you, if you impeach him, you'd get somebody just as bad. Still, Republicans, what are you about? And you know what they're trying to do now? They're trying to get Mike Johnson. The House Freedom Caucus has decided that the real threat to the country is Mike Johnson, the new speaker. You knew they would do this, right? You knew they wouldn't be able to let go. They've had so much fun destroying their own leaders that they thought, let's get this guy. And I'm sorry, but I have no... You you want to know why? Sometimes people ask me, why do you say on your show that you don't belong to either party? I mean, you're conservative, you agree with the Republicans on a lot of stuff, you're probably going to vote for whoever they nominate for president. True, true, true. This is the reason why. This this kind of crap is the reason why. This is completely unserious. And it just it's just, you know, it makes you think we're, you know, it's been a good run and... <laughs> It's been a good 250 years. We're not going to be able to get this thing, uh, keep this thing going much longer. I don't know. I, I was not, I was reading an article today about how um, they're starting to panic, you know, with Trump getting pretty good poll numbers and looking like he might actually be able to, to defeat Biden. Um, they're starting to panic about what he is saying. The New York Times, the Washington Post, MSNBC, they're starting to pay a little more attention to what he's saying about issues and what he's saying about immigration. Uh, they're describing it as disturbing. Mother Jones Magazine, it's an authoritarian blueprint. MSNBC, the government will round people up and put them in camps. New York Times, sweeping raids, giant camps, mass deportations inside Trump's 2025 immigration plans. Look, I don't know how to explain it to these limousine liberals, but the worse things get, the more people are going to like the sound of all that. We're not worried about overreacting to the southern border. Do they get that? We're not, we're not worried that we might do too much about the southern border. Or that we might do too much about fentanyl or cartels or the so-called Iron River of uh, gun smuggling. We're not. We're not. We're not worried. We the people are not losing sleep over the possibility that the federal government will be too aggressive in in um, enforcing the border and our immigration laws. That's not what we're worried about. And this is playing right into Trump's strengths because he can point to the failure to impeach mayorkas he can point to the worst month ever and he can say something that no other candidate can say not 
I have a plan, but I had a plan. Not I will, I shall on my first day. You know, they all love, right, all these Republicans when they're on the debate stage. Everything is going to be on their first day. Have you noticed that? That first day will have to be 47 hours long because everything they promise to do, I'll do it on my first day. Is somebody keeping a list? You know, like you're not going to do all this in the first day. You don't even, the first day isn't even a whole day. You're at the, you're at the, the inauguration stuff till like uh, lunchtime. But the first day, oh, the first day. But see, Trump can say, I already, I've already done this. I got the numbers on the border you want to see now. I was able to do what they're telling you you can't do now. And we didn't put people in camps and we didn't, he didn't even deport as fast as Obama. Remember, they found out that Obama actually had a higher deportation rate. Remain in Mexico, all of that. It, and, and even now, look at all the people that have come around to the wall and the fence. And we knew they would. We knew they would. Do you remember a few years ago, it was so trendy for Republicans, like, remember Will Hurd? The, these people would come on, they'd come on this show, I'm sorry to say, until we got sick and tired of hearing them. Remember how it was cool for Republicans, Will Hurd, Liz Cheney, Dan Crenshaw, hand-wringing, pearl-clutching, really worried about this fence idea, this is not the way to do it, this won't be effective, we need to, we need to be more, we need to be smarter and, uh, you know, use technology. We're gonna build the damn wall, okay? Y- you know we are. Probably going to be too late, but you know it's going to get built. So anyway, that's going on. We'll talk about that. 210-599-5555. In a a speech yesterday, uh, and also in an appearance with uh, Fox News, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu used the line that America is next that if Israel doesn't wipe out Hamas, if Israel doesn't win, if Israel doesn't do all the things they're saying they're going to do, that the world is imploring them not to do, America, you're next. And I think it's a very effective and smart thing to say. Because when you look at the people that are nitpicking and naysaying Israel's fight, do they seem to you to be people that could protect this country? Do they seem to you to be serious people? Do you, do you trust the squad? Do you trust the, the college students? Do you trust the people that are pushing elderly Jews to the sidewalk and laughing at them? Or ripping down such a brave thing to rip down the missing person posters wow you're a tough guy i mean you know what we better let israel do it because we don't have the people in this country to do it the 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 generation we're raising is not is not a generation i'm sorry to deliver this bad news it's not a generation that you you want to pin your hopes on for dealing with barbarians and people that behead and light people on fire while they're still alive and, and, and all the rest. So you better hope that Israel does it. You should be, if you don't want to cheer them on, if you don't want to say you support Israel, if you don't want to put an Israeli flag on your Facebook 
profile picture. I, I, I don't care. I don't care about that. Just, just let them do what we in this country seem to have lost the appetite to do, which is kick the butts of truly bad actors and go into places. Have you seen what Gaza looks like? Can you imagine being an Israeli infantryman and going block to block in a place like that? you have any idea how the hair on the back of your neck would just be standing up all the time? He's right. By the way, he's right in another way when he says, America, you're next. Where are the most Jews in the world after Israel? Right? So the people that are that are from the river to the sea and we're going to eradicate them and Hitler had the right idea, of course they would come to this country and, and already have come to this country. He's right about that. Say what you want, but Netanyahu is absolutely right about that. Speaking of the squad, they were patting each other on the back uh, yesterday because the new thing is by by standing out there and calling for a ceasefire, um, they are brave. They were telling each other how brave they are. Uh, Jamal Bowman told Rashida Tlaib, your courage is why I'm standing here. Bowman said, my calling for a ceasefire is centering humanity. I am uplifting deeply what it actually means to be Jewish because I'm centering the way in which God wants us to live with each other. How is leaving the terrorists who killed 1,500 people, kidnapped hundreds of people, and are promising to kill the rest who they didn't get their mitts on the first time. How is that centering humanity? And and how is Jamal Bowman defining what it means to be Jewish? How do you even say that with a straight face? You know? Like how do you how how do you how do you pull that off? I understand that they the speeches are written for them and stuff, but how do you perform that? And and imagine Imagine what's going on over there, and you've got congressmen over here behind all this federal security, right? Bulletproof glass, armed guards, and they're publicly preening and congratulating each other on how brave they are. How courageous it is to stand and call for a ceasefire. And they were all getting into it. AOC got into it. She was patting herself on the back so hard she's going to have a crick in her neck. She she was um, repeating the casualty figures, but the way she said it was 1,400 lives taken on October 7th. Have you noticed how hard it is when we're talking about 10-7 to say Hamas killed people? It's always lives were taken, lives were lost, there's been too much loss, there's been death on both sides, people are suffering, people have passed away. I mean, you know, they find a million ways to not say this side killed that side. But they're very brave. I don't know if you've noticed. Take a moment to drink in the courage. It's Rappin' with Jack time. Help us help these families, please. Go to KTSA.com and click on the Rappin' with Jack button. I'm hearing from people who are letting me know they just made a donation or they just dropped off some gifts. Really appreciate that. Thank you. And if you haven't done it yet or you're thinking about it, this would be a great day to do it. KTSA.com, Rappin' with Jack. All the details right there.
So the uh, the House Republicans are choosing not to impeach Alejandro Mayorkas because they have other things that need to be done. They've let you know where their priorities are. They've let you know where it stands. You, you, you might be hoping for the outcome of the election, but don't hope that the Republicans are going to use the power of the purse string or the power of having the House majority to do anything this year, to do anything before the election. I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I, 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 I always think it's a mistake when you're asking pe- the people, the voters for more, you need to show them what you're doing with what you have. And I think what people will remember from 2023, if you were to do a word association, Republicans, Congress, 2023, I think all they'll remember is the, the, the drama and the slap fight over the speakership. And, and there isn't anyone sitting in their house anywhere in this country who thinks that helped them or did anything for them. Speaking of which, I know we talked about this a little bit yesterday, but I, I can't let go of this. It's so ridiculous. You know, that APEC conference in San Francisco. If you haven't heard this, San Francisco is hosting a huge international gathering. Not only is the Chinese president and a number of other uh, heads of state, but there's like tens of thousands of other attendees from around the country and around the world. And the story goes that San Francisco has pulled off this miraculous transformation and cleanup i I actually i I read this morning they even put like special um led lighting in along major streets to make them glimmer and gleam at night and there was an overhead shot i mean it was spectacular they've done all this in a hurry all within a matter of of weeks just because there's company coming here's a local tv uh, ktvu story about it take a listen to this yes that's right the summit is expected to bring in 53 million dollars filling hotel rooms bringing big business mm. and the city did tidy up for dreamforce but this Tidied cleanup up. is much more extensive while san francisco is in the spotlight for the asia pacific economic conference city leaders are making sure the city shines tourism is our business here in san francisco and we need oh, to really? focus on making sure that the tourist dollars still come back caltrans oh. repaving major roadways like the harrison street off-ramp from the i-80 bart doubling down by deep cleaning their stations overnight more often the city had gotten a little bit Dingy over time. Dingy. Scrubbing that and power happened? washing is happening all <laughs> over the city. Yeah, the bottom of my shoes look clean. Like It's noticeable how clear the streets look and how few homeless encampments there are Ooh. on major thoroughfares. Having been a longtime resident in the Bay Area, you just naturally start to wonder of like houseless folks being displaced. Public Works is installing decorative crosswalks in North Beach and Chinatown. And the Webster Street Pedestrian Bridge in Japantown was recently repainted. The Yerba Buena Mm. Gardens at the Moscone Center are decked out with new colorful landscaping and murals, paid for by the Clean California grant, just in time for the 20,000 high-profile CEOs and heads of state coming into town next week. Some people say this should be how it's always done. What about the Mm. people who are here year-round, you know, and like local, hardworking, working-class Bay Area folks? Others welcome the cleanup. Anything that brings in uh, a positive look on the city of San Francisco is great. We will continue to do everything we can to maintain cleanliness in our streets. 
And city officials are saying that there are no additional funds that are being allocated for beautification. Departments are just using existing budgets. They also that? say that those budgets are being moved so that they can focus on the areas where APEC is taking place. Did you hear the that, though? Expected to start they've, on they've always had the money. They always had the money. We just spent money we had. We just did what we could have done at any time. Oh man, if you were, imagine if you were a business owner or a property owner in San Francisco, how pissed you would be. Pardon my language. Uh, do you, you've lived in squalor. You're stepping in poop. You're stepping over needles. You, you, you can't let your kids play anywhere. I mean, and then you find out they had the means, the money, the capability, probably even like a kind of an action plan. And they were just waiting for company to come over. You know, I, I, I've, I've said jokingly in the past, like we all remember when we were kids, right? Like your mom had like good dishes that she only used for company or she put out cake for company. And you were like, why don't we get cake? You know, but, but I mean, this is like so much worse than that. And it's such a slap in the face to people that live there. And when you think about it, it it's even worse because Somewhere in there, there was one of the people they quoted said, well, we hope it stays this way. You know it won't. You know it's a Democrat-run city. So as soon as they are done impressing Xi, it'll go back to the way it was. And wherever they have put the homeless people, I bet you anything they'll be turning them back into the neighborhoods and setting them back up. I mean... I. Am I, do, you, do you disagree? I mean, I. it reminds me of when you watch those HGTV shows and they do like an incredible makeover. Somebody has like a cracker box house and they come in and they have designers and they do all this and there's, they do window treatments and paint and they replaster and they do. And you just know it's not going to stay that way. You know that it's going to start to get nicked and worn and fall apart. And what was the word? Dingy. <laughs> Dingy. How did that happen? What do you think? 210-599-5555. I mean, that really sums it right up, right? We're, we're, we're painting over the cracks. We can, we can make things look a little better temporarily. We're not saying we have any solutions. We're not going to govern the city better. We don't have an answer for homelessness or drug addiction, but we know how to hide it. Boy, that's a 2023 story right there, isn't it? Don't forget about the Jack Chat line. You can hit that up anytime during the show, after the show, if you're listening to the podcasts. It's 210-599-5550. And when you call, it's kind of like leaving a voice message. You, you leave a, you leave your first name and your town and your comment and we play those back as we get them. 210-599-5550 for the Jack Chat line. I know a lot of people have left California, but what's the deal with the people that are still there? Like how, how could you see what's happening in San Francisco and not just take that as a gigantic slap in the face? I mean, just, an insult. We've let you writhe in misery. And then we cleaned it up when we decided we wanted to, but we didn't even clean it up. We just moved it around a little bit and painted over the dirt. You know, you, you can slap paint on something and it will look good for a short time, but if you don't paint it right, the paint peels and blisters and it looks worse than ever, right? I mean, you know that. Why do I get the feeling that all this, you know, rushed beautification in San Francisco will probably look like hell six months from now? The plants they're planting will be dead. Right? <laughs> people, have, people have 
have weed on them and uh, laid down on them and everything else. Um, you know, the 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 um, steam cleaning of the BART stations will come to an end. The home and and let's talk about people because that's the most important component of this. They gathered up the homeless, armies of them. They took them to camps. There's no other way to say it. They're not solving the problem. This isn't great society. We 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 want to make people's lives better. You know, the, the Democrats have really lowered their standards. At, at one time, they were going to fix everything. Now they're just interested in hiding it. So you're not, nobody's going to be better off. They're just out of your way for a short time. I'm trying to remember, Is this, would this be, would the analogy of a Potemkin village be right here? Who knows their Russian history? I remember learning about Potemkin Village. Potemkin Village was, um, I think this happened in the era of uh, like Catherine the Great or something, but there was a story that went around that uh, this Russian empress was going to make a visit. I think it was in the Crimea. And... um, she was going to go to a place where there were a lot of dissidents. And long story short, because the, the empress was coming, this guy Potemkin built all these facades to make a place that was squalid look grand and impress all of the people that were traveling with the empress. And they actually repopulated a village. They, they, they took all the real people that lived there out because they were troublemakers and ne'er-do-wells and they might have thrown something at the royal coach or yelled an insult. And they dressed people as townsfolk and made an entirely pretend village. I think they even did it more than once, the story goes. And it's legend. It probably didn't actually happen, but that's, that's a Potemkin village. You, you establish you don't solve anything. You don't change anything. You just establish a facade over something that gets you through a short period of time. And I, I, again, whether that actually happened or it's myth, sounds kind of like what San Francisco's done with the Chinese president playing the part of Catherine the Great. 210-599-5555. I was reading, uh, I think it was, um, oh man, I forget who it was now. There was somebody, some some big time lib was spinning that narrative about Biden. You know how every so often they try to convince you that the opposite of what you see in Biden is true? Like what we see is a guy that's slurring and stumbling and but in fact, he's a he's a he's a dynamo. You know, it, it, I mean, Biden himself says it right. Like, try keeping up with me, or just watch me. But but when other and I can get I can see him saying that. But when other people say it, and this was somebody, some commentator saying, yeah, no, I mean, Biden is not tired and he's not confused. He's he's a you know a man half his age couldn't do what he's doing. Do they really think anybody believes that? Like, I remember being half Joe Biden's age. 
wasn't that long ago that I was half Joe Biden's age. That isn't true. I mean, I'm not even, I, 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 just in the short time since I was Joe Bi- half Joe Biden's age, I feel it. And I wonder when I hear that stuff, and you and I tend to ignore it in one ear and out the other, um, or when they talk about how Bidenomics is working. You know, you probably heard last week the narrative was, this economy is actually really good. People just don't understand how good it is. Uh, voters can't grasp how good they have it. They're not sophisticated enough to realize that Biden has built a resilient, recovering, uh, you know, economy. Do, do you ever wonder, you don't believe it, you mock it and you scoff at it, but do you ever wonder, are, are there people that, that believe this stuff? Or is this like whistling past the graveyard? I mean, take the job thing, for example. Now, I, I've gotten to where I don't even pay attention. When the jobs data comes out, I, I don't even pay attention anymore. I'm not in the news business. I don't have to write a news story about it. I'm not delivering a newscast. So I don't, I, I, I don't follow it closely. I'm not sure I can trust the jobs data because it's coming from the administration, but there's something even even more wrong with it. When you create all these new jobs, what you don't say is how many people are working second and third jobs. Do you remember the other day when we were talking about tipping food delivery drivers? You know how many calls I got on that and emails I got on that? There are tons of them. I mean, I guarantee you know someone who works two or three jobs if you're not doing it yourself. Your, your kids are, or you know someone who is, or your neighbor is. So when they talk about creating new jobs, it isn't like every single person gets one of those. Those represent second and third jobs people are having to do to not fall behind or pay bills or keep up with their taxes. And so the Unemployment rate is misleading. I mean, it doesn't include or factor in people that have left the job market. It doesn't have a way of accounting for people that are working more than one job. You're counted as employed, whether you're working 38 hours a week or 68 hours a week. And when they talk about or he brags about or his adoring fans in the in the media brag about the job growth, they don't tell you how many people have to take more than one of those. Now, not that that's the end of the world, but if you're trying to raise a family or start a family, um, that's not good. It's not good for a society when husbands and wives don't see each other very much or people put off getting married in the prime of their life because they don't think they can scrape it together or get a house or pay for kit. You know, I, I just, I, I think to myself, how many people really believe all this? Just like how many people really believe that behind closed doors, Mr. Shuffles is actually running around just wearing out his staffers, just, just wearing them down. They're just exhausted trying to keep up with them. He's just peppering them with questions and, 
and holding meetings till all hours of the night. I mean, who believes that, right? If you've uh, been listening to our show for a while, you probably have heard of him. Uh, Mighty John, the record guy, going to be with us tomorrow night. We're going to be counting down some collectible vinyl and also uh, taking some calls from you. If you have an old record, uh, treasured, valued, uh, maybe you just like the band, but maybe you also wonder, is this collectible? Is this something that would go with collectors? Well, you can talk to him about it. Find out right on the radio. We'll take calls for him. And that'll be tomorrow night in our 6 o'clock half hour. Mighty John, the records guy. His website is moneymusic.com. Yeah, I, I just I wonder about um, when, they're, when they're spinning this narrative that Biden is the opposite of what we see with our own eyes. Who who out there? I, I understand there are Democrats and there are big time supporters of his and of, of there's liberals. I, I'm I'm not in denial about that, but but those people don't really think that he's a energetic, hands on, getting it done, right? You know that. And for that matter, um, if if what you're saying is that the President of the United States is nothing like what he appears in public, then my question would be, why? Like, this guy that, and by the way, I looked it up, it was Mike Barnacle, who said that a man half his age could not keep up with Biden. If that's true, and Mike Barnacle talks out of his butt cheeks, so he, he doesn't know, but he's saying it. But I would just say, if that's true... What is the whole stumbling, bumbling, fumbling, I can't finish sentences, I don't know where to stand, what's that about? I mean, why couldn't we say the same thing about Trump? People that support Trump could go, oh, well, you don't know, but in private, he's soft-spoken and humble and intellectual and nuanced. What would be the point? Who would believe that? By the way, speaking of Biden and Trump, I saw where News Nation is going to host the next presidential debate. Did you know there's another one coming right up? Didn't we just have one? Don, was it last week? I'm trying. I'm, the days are all blurring. Didn't we just have the Republican yeah, debate last uh, week? Wednesday, last Wednesday, Thursday, last Wednesday, right? Well, there's another one on December sixth. Why? Why do we need this? News Nation will host the fourth RNC debate at the University of Alabama in Tuscaloosa, December 6th. i got to be honest, I don't think I can watch any more of them. I know I watch them for you, and I break, we break them down on the show. I don't know if I can do it. I don't think I can do it. Elizabeth Vargas, um, Megan Kelly, and Ileana Johnson from the Washington Free Beacon will be the moderators. Moderate, moderators. Did I say that right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I'm as much of a political junkie as y- you could find. I mean, they're, they're really, it's ridiculous, right? I don't see the point. There hasn't even been that much time. I mean, I don't even know if Nikki Haley and Vivek Ramaswamy have had enough time to write insults about each other on index cards. Do you think? I, they, they, they may not be ready for the next, the next, gathering the next go-round. 
I don't know if millennial is the right uh, word here. It's the word that people are kind of throwing around about this viral video uh, of a uh, young woman who is um, kind of venting, kvetching uh, about work. I think she's younger than a millennial. I, I, this is either a very young millennial or maybe a Gen Zer. But anyway, um, I'm going to play this for you. If you haven't already heard this or seen it, it's everywhere. Uh, it's on X. It's on TikTok. It's all over the place. But anyway, th- this is this is an un- unnamed uh, young woman. She's recording herself, uh, sort of summing up her life. Listen to this: Work until we have to die just for the privilege of being alive, huh? Like we never asked to be born, but now we're obligated to do labor until we die, huh? We have to work somewhere just to afford a house that we're never at because we're working to afford the house. Hmm? Is the meaning of life to work and pay taxes and then die? On top of that, we also have to work to afford our vehicle to get to work in other places and afford gas just to get to work. And we also have to pay taxes for our roads to drive on to get to work. With the privilege of food, which we should just be able to have, pretty much just work and die. Let's not forget about life insurance just in case we almost die. And then we have to work for our children to go to school to learn how to work so our children know how to work for their children so that their children can go to school and go to work. Like, somebody tell me that this is fair. Like, is it lazy to just want to enjoy life? Like, why why do we have to work? Why? I'm stressed. All right. So, what would you tell her? What? What is? How do you answer these uh, myriad questions that are being raised? Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Shouldn't we just have food? Is it wrong to want to enjoy life? Why do we have to work? Is this all there is? I. I. I there's a lot I want to say, but I. I, I, w- I want you to go first. I mean, you tell me. You tell me. What, the, the, if, this, if, this was, if this was said to you, if you were in the presence of somebody saying this, and it just invited reaction, what would you say? What would your reaction be? What would your response be? What do you think? There, by the way, just to let you know, there are people who think she's right. She, there are people... Praising her. She gets it. Good for her. Because she can see that there's futility to it all. And the more we work, the more we have to work. And the more we get, the more we have to work for what we get. And then we have to work. Then we we have these ungrateful little kids and we got to work for them. Shouldn't we just have food, she says. Shouldn't we just, shouldn't food just be provided um well uh probably was for a while right um <laughs> who do, who do you, how do you think the people that were providing it to you were were getting it like i how does she think she got here i guess would be one question like you you do realize that your ability to sit in that car which i assume is yours and talk into that phone screen which i assume is yours and wear the clothes and the jewelry, including the piercings that are, are yours. Somebody worked for all, you know, for you to get to this point. Um, what do you think? 
to and and I and I mean it's easy. I could be snarky. I, there's a lot I could say, but I'm just I just want to hear your reaction to it. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Don, let's play it one more time. Work until we have to die just for the privilege of being alive, huh? Like we never asked to be born, but now we're obligated to do labor until we die. Huh? We have to work somewhere just to afford a house that we're never at because we're working to afford the house. Huh? Is the meaning of life to work and pay taxes and then die? On top of that, we also have to work to afford our vehicle to get to work in other places and afford gas just to get to work. And we also have to pay taxes for our roads to drive on to get to work. With the privilege of food, which we should just be able to have, pretty much just work and die. Let's not forget about life insurance just in case we almost die. And then we have to work for our children to go to school to learn how to work. So our children know how to work for their children so that their children can go to school and go to work. Like somebody tell me that this is fair. Like, is it lazy to just want to enjoy life? Like, why do we, why do we have to work? Why? I'm stressed. Why do we have to work? Um, you, you think it's possible she is, is, is maybe, is she just like lampooning her own generation? Like, is she just like, is this sort of like tongue in cheek? Like, I'm going to do a, I'm going to, I'm going to perform a over the top rendition of, you know, <laughs> the, the disgruntled young socialist or I, I, I don't know. I think, I think she might be serious. I think she might be serious. I think she's she's asking a lot of questions. How would you answer them? Let me start with Mike. 210-599-5555. Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, I, I'm definitely not a liberal in any any way. But uh, I think maybe I've had some of these feelings as well, but it's like, for instance, you know, generations that came before us had land rushes and things like that, and half of New Mexico is nearly government-owned. Owned. It's like, why can't people that want to go work for themselves to be self-sustaining go get some land? Why don't they do more land rushes for a modern generation? Because I think maybe she means, and I hear this a lot from the younger, like, Gen, Gen Z guys, why do we got to work for corporations, and they're really against corporations? I'm not really... But I understand the the concept that they're saying. I went back to college really late and last, so I kind of got an insight to some of these folks. But um, I think that she means, like, why do we have to work for, you know, somebody else, nine to five? We've got to go so regimented and all that. I, I kind of get that sentiment. I'm nearly 50 years old, but if they would open up land for Land Rush in New Mexico, Arizona, some of these states that really are almost should be qualified as territory still less well, than 20 percent of american population live west of san antonio texas you know sorry correct me if i'm wrong mike but and i don't know what she does i don't like i don't know what job she's actually headed for when she makes this video but she'd be working a damn sight harder if she had to work the land i mean Oh, what you're saying, uh, what you're saying, 100%. or if you're talking about working for yourself instead of working for a corporation, that's a lot more work. That's not liberating. Sure. No, I, I 100% agree with you because I've done I've done both. I've worked the land. I'm a former FFA president. I've worked the land. I've owned my own businesses, but without that knowledge, 
don't necessarily think all these youngsters want to just sit at the house and collect a check. There are plenty that do. But I know that there's a big sentiment, and I've heard it coming from some folks that I know that are early early 30s, late 20s, and really what they're, they're bemoaning is the fact that they have to go work for the man, mm-hmm. so to speak. So rather it's, the than corporate, it's the corporate world. It's yeah. being a corporate drone. Okay. All right, Mike, thank you. I appreciate yeah, it. Uh, so Mike says he understands where she's coming from that she's just tired of going to work for somebody else or some corporation and it's it's uh it's maybe boring or it's repetitive uh and and he he wonders if she might not be happier entrepreneuring or uh or working the land uh, did did you get that did you hear that i mean when we were young we complained to each other and we vented about stuff school work parents you know, and of course, when you're of a certain age, it's so dramatic. It's never been worse. No one's ever had it harder. No one understands. I I do feel a little sorry for the fact that nowadays when you do that and you, you know, poke your face into your phone, A, gazillions of people that don't know you and don't have any context for it see it, and B, that thing lives forever. Like, you'll never you'll never get away from that. Um, so is this just somebody kind of venting on their way to work or is this like summing it up? This is where we're at as a society. Why do I have to work? Why do we work? What's the point? Why isn't food just provided us when we need it? And you know, is it a, is it a trick that's being played on us that we work and then we teach our kids to work? And what did you think of that uh, meltdown? Joe is on KTSA. Hi, Joe. Hey, uh, thanks for taking my call. Hey, I'm going to come at you from a, uh, from a uh, philosophical perspective, I'm, I'm a yeah. pastor, and so I'm going to come at it from this approach. I, you know, I, had, I just recently had heard this this statement. I didn't think too much about it, but you know what? She really is onto something. And here's how it makes sense to me. Uh, you go back to the garden as a, as a believer, as a Christian, right? I go back to the garden account and believe this to be a true story, right? Adam and Eve in the garden, ate of the tree, and from the fall, again from a Christian's perspective, from the fall, work before the fall was enjoyable. It was pleasurable. So I think this really goes back to the issue of enjoying what you do, right? If you enjoy what you do, it doesn't feel like, gee, I'm just going to work to provide, you know, for my family, put food on the table, buy a car to go to work. That makes sense, right, to me, from that perspective, from that vantage point. I, I like the second part of what you said. I lo- you lost me between the Garden of Eden and enjoying your, your job. Adam and Eve didn't have a job. They were supposed to tend the garden. They were supposed to take care of nature, take care of the environment. Oh, that was what their that okay. was what their role was. It, and they did. Perspective. And they did. Right, they right. they that's slipped right. up by eating the forbidden fruit, but that's they right. they did the job. But I, I guess that's I right. guess where, where where you're coming from though is you're saying there is there is a way to find dignity or joy in what you do for a living, and then you, of course you take the fruits home and share them with your family and enjoy them yourself. I've never really understood why people couldn't see that another way of thinking about work is it's how you get the money to do the things you will enjoy doing. Like, does she have no free time? Is she, is she never able to, to, you know, right? I mean, like you don't have to love what you do. You just have to know that you're making that money. You're piling it up to do something, to take trips, to, collect things right i mean i I understand why that's so difficult no no i get i definitely get the uh the economical part of it obviously like you said is it this issue of someone who 
who just doesn't want to work. They want everything to be handed to them, sort of a socialist mentality. Yeah. I, I do get that yeah. 100%. But if you do enjoy what you do, obviously it feels less yes. like work and more like, yeah. you know, I enjoy what I do. So thanks. For I, think that's a good, I think that's a good take. Yeah, I think that's a good take. Joe, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, there's a movement in the Catholic Church called um, Opus Dei, which I think stands for work of God or something. It's Latin. And the premise of Opus Dei is that you are, whatever you do for a living is your ministry on earth. So if your work is, even if your work is very arduous or is so-called menial uh, or low paid or underappreciated or people don't tip you or whatever it is, you're supposed to offer that up like, well, I, I do it with dignity I show my humility, my subservience. I treat the people I work for and with with grace, and it becomes it becomes a kind of ministry. Not all ministry is is you know working literally in the church. The church is wherever you are is the is the is the point of it. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I maybe that's too taking it too deep. Um, I also was thinking as I was watching this video uh, yesterday, when you're young, you're not supposed to be super crazy about the job because it's entry level. Like you're doing something that is for now. And I'm not saying there's an age or a right age, but there does come a time in your life, and I think she's young yet. I mean, I don't know how old she is, but when you're starting out, that job is just to make some money and get some experience. And then later on, if you want to step back and go, now, wait a minute, where am I going here? Do I really want to keep doing this, or is this what I'm meant for? I think that's legit. But when you're in your teens and early 20s, I think you should, and I'm not saying this is true of everybody, but I think you should expect that a lot of the work you will get is not the best, and you're young and they give it to you because you'll do it, and you can, and you kind of have to. And we all go through that. But it doesn't have to stay that way. Now, if you're still doing your 18 or 20-year-old job when you're 35 or 40, it better be because you love it. It better be because you've made a career of it. Um, otherwise, then, yeah, you're you're stuck. Uh, Mike is on the Jack Riccardi Show at KTSA. Mike, what did you think? I, I was going to make a comment to the original video poster and your first caller. There's nothing that you have to do in life. So mm. nobody has to work for a corporation. Mm. Nobody mm. has to drive a car. I mean, if you mm. look, do homeless people work? Do beach bums work? And so that's a thing. But you, you hit it on the head. If you want to have nice things, if you want to go on vacation, if you want to do more than just eat and she can live life anywhere she mm -hmm. wants mm -hmm. you have to work for it yeah yeah so i guess the, re the, re the maybe the response would be well if you're willing to give up all the things we can see that you have then yeah, yeah you don't have to work exactly there you go all right mike thank you uh rachel's on the jack riccardi show hi rachel hi jack yeah i was uh going to say what you said, everything you said, but you said it. <laughs> you oh, said I'm sorry. Well, you go ahead and say it anyway. I'd like to hear you say it. No, you, thank you. 
but you're right. If you're if you're that age, you don't have to, you know, just dread it. You're just, you know, starting off in life. And I kind of, I mean, I hate to say this, but I kind of judge her a little bit with her upbringing and all her piercings and all her tattoos. And maybe she's getting nowhere in life because of those situations. And, and she's just gruntled. And maybe she just needs a little faith, you know, somebody bring her into church and teach her that there's a lot more to life than to just working a job that you don't like, you know, or, but I think, you know, you should love what you do, whether you're entry level or, you know, working your way up. Because it would be nice to hear somebody once in a while. Yeah. Instead of questioning the work part, maybe people ought to start looking at what is taken out of their paycheck. Um, yeah. It would be nice, you know, it would be nice if, if people started wondering, what am I, okay, I, I understand I worked X number of hours and I got Y pay, but what's this tax thing? Where, where does that go? Who's getting that? That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Because maybe point. that's, you know, maybe that's a better, you know, you're, you're, the, the, the work part is pretty straightforward. You do the work, you get the pay, but then somebody reaches in between and, grabs it before you can even get your hands on it that that's something to pout about yeah there you go rachel thanks for the call good call again everybody's saying millennial but i i don't know possibly possibly gen z uh upper end of gen z lower end of millennial probably on on her way to work she's thinking about talking about going to work she's not happy about it this is some of what she says work until we have to die just for the privilege of being alive Huh? Like we never asked to be born, but now we're obligated to do labor until we die. Huh? We have to work somewhere just to afford a house that we're never at because we're working to afford the house. Huh? Is the meaning of life to work and pay taxes and then die? On top of that, we also have to work to afford our vehicle to get to work in other places and afford gas just to get to work. And we also have to pay taxes for our roads to drive on to get to work. With the privilege of food, which we should just be able to have, pretty much just work and die. Let's not forget about life insurance just in case we almost die. And then we okay, have to so work So anyway, you get, the, you get the gist of it. You get the gist of it. Um, I would definitely co- coach her against the, huh? That's, that may be the most annoying sound I have heard so far this week. Huh? It's a young week, but that's... That's right. Donna, Don, I'll be disappointed if that's not the zing on Friday night. Huh? I've I don't know how you can I don't know how you can how you can miss that. I don't mean to tell you what to do, but All right. So, um what what would how would you answer her? 210-599-5555. Dwayne is on the radio. Hi Dwayne. Well, good afternoon, Jack. I want to compliment you on your show you've always given me an insight sometimes i didn't see um your history is is fantastic when you go back over history and obviously your job requires you to have a command of the english language which is fantastic does it we heard you say well if she just gave up everything her car and her house and all that she wouldn't have to work but our universe doesn't provide anything for nothing you have to have something even if you don't work, you still have to have food and you still have to have water. The guy that talked about mm-hmm. the land rush, hey, yeah, they're giving us land for free. Well, that's because they wanted you to populate that part of the United States. Mm-hmm. But look at how hard it was to go out there in a wagon. Yeah. Then you had to grow food and you had to you had to put you had to do something to survive. 
and we all yeah. have to do something to survive. So some of us work and pay for what we need. Some of us farmers and stuff like that, they, they, they grow what they need and they can, they can, they live, but they still have to, they have to have all this kind of stuff. So there's nothing in the universe um, that's free. Everything requires something. You can't get, you can't get something from nothing. And it, when you ask somebody to say that, oh, well, you know, I don't want to, why, why should I have to work? Why can't I just get food? Well, well, that's fine if if you can find somebody that's going to give you the food. But somebody. Well, I suppose if we took it, it to its so. if we took it to its logical extreme, Dwayne, and and I mean you're right, and I maybe I spoke hyperbolically, but you could, for example, say, I don't need a house, a car, um, I don't need a bank account. I could, I could live outside under a bridge or in a cardboard box. I could beg for food. I could pick stuff up out of people's trash and wear it. She could probably live really not ever doing a job. It wouldn't be much of a life. But if if she was this dead set on not working, she just has to make sure she doesn't want to have anything, right? Just to make sure she doesn't want to own anything. Because that's what work is. Work is where we trade what I'm good at for what you're good at. I you, you're able to do something that I couldn't do for myself, so I pay you. And in return, I do something that you couldn't do or don't have, and you pay me. And it, it's that, that's all it is. It's not, it's not a curse or a, uh, a, a scheme. And as, as you pointed out, and a lot, a lot of callers have pointed out, it's all voluntarily entered into. You weren't, like she says at the beginning, I, I don't even know why I had to be born or something like that. Good grief. <laughs> I mean, come on. You're going to blame your parents, too? You know, I mean, who are you not mad at? But, I, I mean, you could live, you could, if you wanted to live like a free spirit and, you know, just eat leaves and drink rainwater, I guess you could do that, right? But she's not, obviously she's not willing to. Very well said. Very well said. <laughs> but, uh, Dwayne, thanks for the call. Thank you for the nice words. Thanks for listening. Um, Esteban is on the radio. Esteban, good evening. Good evening. If she thinks she's working hard now, I would like to imagine her as a Coahuiltecan, the native people that, that were here when the Spanish got here. Working was the only thing that meant that you could survive. You had to work to hunt. You had to work to make your own clothes. You had to work to build some semblance of a shelter. You had to work to make a fire in the winter to stay warm. That was lots of hard work, and if you didn't mm -hmm. do it, you were mm -hmm. dead. Yeah. I'm not even sure they called that work. I think that was just life, right? Like you were part of a village or a tribe and you did the stuff you did for love. You didn't, people weren't like, Oh, I got a case of the Mondays. You know, they just, they just did it. I mean, it, I don't think they were even thinking about it, right? If you were, if you were living off the land or you were part of a Native American tribe or, Whatever you just did it, you you didn't stop and think. How do I feel about this? Right? Maybe we spend too much time analyzing ourselves. And all the stuff she has—the house, the water, the sewage—somebody worked to create it. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, what would you say to her, Esteban? What would be your advice to her? She comes to you. She says all this to you. What What do you say in return? I would point out to her how much stuff as a result of other people's labor, and I would remind her what it was like 
uh, as a Native American or Native wherever where survival was work. There you go. There you go. Thank you, Esteban. Appreciate it. Katie writes to Jack at KTSA.com. This generation flips the switch and the lights come on. They have no clue how that happens. The message would be to that girl, the person that, this is what Katie says she would say to her, the girl in the video, the person that pierced your face and drew your tattoo and went to some place to learn how to do that or worked at the factory that made your face makeup and the clothes you wear, they learned how to do that and they go to work every day just so you could have those things. All right. What would be your response to the girl in the video? Gennaro is on the Jack Riccardi Show. Hi, Gennaro. Hey, Jack. How you doing, man? I'm good, Gennaro. Hello. How are you? Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm sorry. I got a new phone, man. Anyway, um, okay. first of all, first of all, um, I'm a florist, and I accidentally got into that business about uh, over 25 years ago, and I, I, it was an accident, and I loved it, and I've been in the business, man, like I said, for over 25 years, made a lot of friends, lots of experience. I love the flower business. I will never be rich because of it, but mm-hmm. I love it. I'm happy mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. No stress, man. No mm-hmm. stress. And if I so do have stress. Find, she needs to find something like that then, right? Well, yeah, but the thing is, man, uh, coming from the sound of her, she doesn't want to work. Well, if you don't work, guess what? You get mm-hmm. sloppy. What are you going to do? Play video games all day? Yeah. And what are you going to eat? Look, there is, um, I know some people from Mexico and they got a saying, and I'm going to say it in Spanish and I'll translate it. Okay. In Mexico, in Mexico, si no trabajas, no comes. In Mexico, uh-huh. if you don't work, you don't eat. There you go. I think you could have just and, said that in English. It would have been just as good. Hey, here's a question, well, though. I'm, I'm um, how in the world did you accidentally? Kidding. How in the world did you accidentally become a florist? Do you have to explain that part? What, what, what kind of an accident well, was that? <laughs> did, well, did you collide uh, with a floral van, or what? What happened there? No, um, I lived in Denver, and I came to San Antonio, and I was only going to stay for a while. And I had all this money, and I met a girl, and I fell in love. And it's always, it only with you. it's always a girl with you. It's always and a girl it, with you, isn't it? It only lasted for a week. So I had to look for a job because I was running out of money. And I looked uh, in the in, in the Juan ads, uh-huh. uh, delivery driver. Uh-huh. And I went to this place, man. And, and that was history, man. And I still know there these people. There you go. There you go. Now, so the girl now, did it. It was the girl. Yeah. What now? On one last note, on this young lady, uh, the whoever she is, she if she wants to get a little bit further in life, she has to stop using the work the word like like yeah, like. Yeah. What yeah. is it with Jack? A lot of good advice there, Gennaro. Gennaro, the well, from now on, we will refer to him as the accidental florist. Remember the accidental tourist? He's the remember the accidental tourist movie? He's the accidental florist. I like that. All right, Gennaro. Um 
you never know. You never know. A couple of times during that call, I'm not going to lie to you, my entire career flashed before my eyes. I, there were just a couple of moments. I thought this could be the last show. Um, I'll be making a video. All right, it's a viral video of a young woman, I think, on her way to work in the car and just, you know, really lamenting the endless cycle of work and work and work and what's it all about and you have bills to pay and you watch the money disappear and the taxes and then uh you pay for stuff that you don't ever seem to get to use or enjoy shouldn't we just enjoy life am i wrong to just want to enjoy life? i think there's a lot of people by the way who work hard and enjoy life i know them i consider myself one of them um now i don't know if that is more keyed to the kind of work you do. Like somebody said, you got to find a job you love. I think there's also, there are people, I don't want to sound Pollyanna-ish here, but aren't there people that you could probably pretty much put them in any job and they'd find a way to have a good time? And I don't mean have a good time and not, you know, blow it off. I mean, like, they'd, they'd do it and they'd be, you know producing and 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 achieving and they'd still be enjoying themselves they're they're just people like that they like people they like solving problems they like a challenge i don't know if it's the work or what you bring to the work that can bring you joy but you can you can enjoy what you do it's not she seems to think it's impossible like if i didn't have to work i'd be happy uh, what a thing to, I mean, when I was young, and I, not that I'm idealizing myself, but w- when I was young, I was like, give me more work. Like I wanted to work and earn and I want, I was always banging for more hours because that's kind of what you do. And, um, and you kind of know that, that the first job or the first few jobs aren't going to be the ideal ones. What would you say to her? Steve is on the radio. Hi, Steve. Hi, Jack. I would tend to agree with her a little bit. And and I would tell her, my advice to her would be, stop. My advice to her would be, vote insert constitutional conservative. And then try to imagine yourself living in a world where we followed the Constitution and our select chosen few who go to represent us, made all of their decisions based on what is best for the people to make their lives easier and mm-hmm. simpler and, and, and more pleasurable. Mm-hmm. If they did that, mm-hmm. we would have everything, because you've got to work. We all have to work, and work is good. It's good for your soul and your spirit. And, you know, everywhere you were still talking about where you go, where you, you know, it doesn't matter where you go. Wherever you go, you go with you. So wherever she's working, she's right there with her. Right, right. And, and you can't get away from yourself. Yeah. All, all our point. lives would be a lot easier if our politicians made their decisions based on what was best for the, the, the <clears throat> people of this country. It make their life simpler and easier and less. Con- life is hard no matter who you are and how well you have it. Life is hard for everyone. It could yep. be a lot simpler if they if they okay. if they chose to take care of us and not themselves and theirs. I you know it's funny you mentioned this and thank you, Steve. Good to hear from you. Um, last week when we were talking about tipping and 
gigs and side you know side hustles like driving for Uber Eats or DoorDash. I um and we and as I said, we had a huge response from people that are doing that. Um I started thinking about how they feel about doing that. And I don't want to generalize. There may be people that have a, a goal, eyes on the prize, they're stacking up money, they're doing a debt snowball or something. But, but there's probably also people we talked to last week or who called our show or listened who have that second job, third job, out of painful necessity. Like, they would rather be with their wife, their husband, their children. They would rather be coaching the soccer team or whatever, but th- they got to do this. So to Steve's point... How much you work and how, you know, how, how, how you fit into, um, work does have an awful lot to do with, with politicians, with the political direction of the country and the economy. We've created an economy where, as we were talking about, uh, last hour, um, yeah, we're creating new jobs, but they're, they're people's second jobs. So these new quote unquote jobs are, addenda to people that are already working it means that people are working harder not that we're putting more people we're we're producing new workers and sending new people into the workforce but that we're producing more work for people that are already working you can decide how you feel about that personally but i guarantee that is an anti-family anti-society phenomenon it's, it, it it is not better for strong communities, strong society, strong parenting. You know, if mom or dad are too busy, there's less supervision, there's less involvement, that's not a good thing. And um, think of all the stuff we talk about that boils down to children growing but not being raised, right? So... It's pretty deep when you start thinking about it that way. Uh, 210-599-5555. Mark writes to Jack at KTSA.com. There's an obvious option for this girl. Marry a man with a job and become a stay-at-home wife. So that's, that's Mark's idea. Um, if there's any women that like that idea, I can get Mark's phone number for you. Talk a little more about the, uh, the meltdown, the meltdown girl. Um, Glenn writes jackktsa.com. My favorite line is that uh, we should just be able to have food. So I liked that too. Um, well, this was a good, uh, good take. Uh, Wendy says she seems upset that she has to live her life. Yeah. Because I think the first thing she said was, you know, like, well, I didn't choose to be born or why did I have to be born or something like that. You might be getting a little too deep. If you start questioning that stuff, like, you know, you're mad at your parents for having you, maybe just, like, back up a little. That's, like, too philosophical, you know. Huh? Um, exactly. Um, but, uh, you know, I, it, a lot of people had a lot of thoughtful takes about this, um, different an- analyses of it. Alan is on the radio. Hi, Alan. Hey, Mr. Riccardi, thank you very much for taking my call. I appreciate uh, the topic. <laughs> I, I don't know. It, it almost seems uh, comical, but uh, I, it seems like a lot of callers are given this, 
this person uh, a little bit of a pass here. You know, I, I, I just, I, you know, I, I guess it depends on what my role is. If somebody's sharing this with me and I'm their supervisor or their sergeant or their mom or their dad or whatever, I, I, I just can't, you know, help but think that she really kind of needs a little bit of a uh, come to Jesus uh, meeting, uh, you know, I, I hate to you know, say that, you know, but, but even, you know, one of your callers, I guess the accidental florist, uh, mentioned, uh, you know, a saying in Mexico, but that's actually a saying, a passage out of the Bible. Uh, you know, a person that doesn't, uh, you know, work, doesn't eat. And, you know, my, my, my hope is, is that this is not a, um, a millennial thing or, uh, hey, this is just recent thing. Cause I, I, I believe the, these people that are, kind of like this that are lazy and maybe somewhat ignorant uh to the ways of life uh you know just you know they they've been they've been you know people like that throughout history uh and I I'm hoping that this isn't a, a generational trend uh that 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 we're seeing here you know as far as you know working goes you know we we all we all have to work in order in order to eat and it it's funny I just had a conversation with um, you know, a person today about now that I'm retired and I'm, you know, four or five years into my retirement, I, I almost miss the, just the socialization mm-hmm. aspect of, of work, you know, I mean, you know, and of course you always have, you know, you know, good people and bad people and jerks and, you know, all, all kinds of people that you got to work with. But, but once you walk away from that, no matter what, you know, uh, you know, because I've had lots and lots of different jobs uh, over the years, you you don't really realize it until it's gone that that whole socialization aspect of work is also a tangible. Uh, you know, I mean, the money and you know, being able to get a nice car and a nice house and all of that stuff. That's that's also you know you know yeah. part of yeah. the deal. But the, you know. I think a lot of times people don't realize, especially those that are, you know, going to work every day, that when you walk away from it and you put together a great retirement portfolio, thank God I, I have one, um, you know, that he, there's, there's, you know, I mean, you know, I got my golf buddies and I get, you know, neighbors and I get, you know, family and right. that type of thing. But there's actually a tangible, real aspect of the workplace that that you that you miss and i think this person <laughs> that uh, well, but, you know, you, made, but i mean you would agree alan that you can say that now but you wouldn't have known that when you were starting out and you were working hard and uh you know maybe like really looking forward to the weekend or or whatever you're not you don't expect somebody in their 20s to be like someday i'll miss this they're not gonna they're not gonna think that not. Yeah, absolutely. You, you and I can look. Where... You, you and I can look at at her experience because we've been through it. But I, I, I and I agree with you. By the way, people are being super kind to her. I'm, I'm shocked. But, but I, I, <laughs> yeah. I guess if I was, if I was her age, I wouldn't expect to have the perspective that I have now because there's experience in that, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I didn't. Yeah. I didn't have yeah. it. You know, and I, I didn't either. I'm just. At some point, but we didn't expect, I, I don't think we at that age had this, the world owes us stuff mentality. No, and Alan, no. Alan, thank you for the call. Great, great points. I, I heard a guy one time say, and I'm not going to do it justice. I wish I could remember it more clearly, but 
and I don't remember who this was, but he was making the argument that we did too good a job. The basically the the baby boomer generation and the the even like my generation, Generation X, we we so provided for our children, we made their lives so secure and so comfortable, and we made the what used to be rare like it was only rare and rich people that went to college and then it became people of working class who would go to college we did so well by our kids that we we actually did them a disservice they didn't understand that like light doesn't come from light switches and you know meat doesn't come from heb and of course good parenting can overcome that and his point was you've got to make sure when your kid's growing up, um, you've got to address the whole connection of everything to everything. And when you sit down and eat a hamburger, it didn't come from the guy that sold it to you or, or put it on the counter. It came from a whole string of people all working, some of them very hard, to make that product, to make that happen. And And so his point was, in another day and age when people had to scrimp and save and defer their, you know, I guess, what do they call it? Um, where you, where you have to kind of wait for something and hope for something and build up to it, deferred gratification or delayed gratification back in the day when that was the more common way of growing up, people would get, okay, well, I got to work, you know, and if I work harder, I can do better. And we've given our kids, not not with any bad intention, we've given them such an easy childhood that we have to go back in and like patch that up and make sure they understand. Before, before they get to her point where they're making that video, <laughs> make sure that they do understand where stuff comes from and how it comes and, and the exchange of value. And like, we're all, we're all specialists. You know, like we don't have, I don't have to be able to build a house to live in one. I don't have to know how to fix a car to drive one. I don't have to, um, you know, know how to butcher a hog to have meat, but I have to know people who do, and there have to be people who do, and we have to exchange things of value. My not that I have any expertise, but I mean, if you, if you, if you think about most people, you're, what you're really selling is you're good at X and he's good at Y and you pay each other. That's just something we need to teach our kids, I guess. Speaking of that, you remember the, um, law student? This was at the very, very beginning of the whole Israel Hamas thing when this, um, law student at NYU, Rhina Workman, was the president of the Bar Association and wrote a note praising the Hamas attack and blaming Israel for the attack. And Rhina Workman had a job offer rescinded from a law firm. And that was the first of many scenarios where students discovered that they could be held accountable for saying really grotesque things. You have the freedom to say it, but you're not free from the consequences of saying it. So Rhina Workman had a job offer waiting for her after NYU, 
and the comp the uh, the firm withdrew it. So what do you do if you're in that situation? What what is the life lesson? Well, Rhina Workman founded a GoFundMe account. Rhina Workman went online and begged for money. And recently posted that it's been very unsuccessful. That there have been only a handful of donors and there's been less than two grand. So this is what I'm talking about. You went to law school, meaning either you and or your family laid out a lot of money. You worked probably pretty hard to become the bar president, bar association president. You shot your mouth off ignorantly and without the facts, which you're free to do. And we indulge young people in all kinds of opinions for which they have no basis of experience. We, we do that now more than any society has ever done it. I'm not sure it's a, it's a good idea or a good service for young people because it creates the idea that before you've really acquired an education, you already have the basis for, you know, solving all the world's problems. And it's not true. I must say, I, I can't solve all the world's problems. I've been around a lot longer than Ryan Workman. But instead of that being any kind of a learning or road to Damascus moment, formed a, a GoFundMe account? Like, like you just threw yourself at the mercy of strangers who you wanted to have send you money? I mean, what happened? I'm going to go to law school and set the world on fire. And... Um, this is this to me is a is a sign of the times for how we're bringing up young people. If you're, you know, if you're certain, if you fit into certain categories, if you are considered uh, a hyphenated victim, if you're intersectional—that's the word they use, right? Meaning you have all these things. You're, you're not non-binary and you're black and you're this and you're that, all these things. If you're, if you're intersectional, um, not only are you a victim, but you're, you're, you're supposed to be an object of, I guess, of charity. I mean, that's really what GoFundMe is, right? I mean, it's just a, a, a modern version of charity. And somebody interviewed her after some time had gone by and all these things had befallen her because of her comments. And I think it was a network news program and they asked her if she had learned anything or would do anything differently or say anything differently. And she said, no. How does somebody go to law school, graduate and wind up so clueless? Who in what in what civilization would a law school graduate support herself with a GoFundMe account? I mean, that's it's just mind blowing. We got a lot of work to do, uh, and and I mean work. Uh, some senator was proposing to ban federal funding of anti-Semitic colleges, and I thought to myself. We really need to question federal tax dollars going to higher education, period.
it, it isn't just in the last month that we've seen all the ways in which we are paying for really negative influences. I mean, getting smarter is, of course, a good thing. Learning a trade, skill, or profession is a good thing. But that industry is just toxic. The higher education industry should be viewed the way we would view an industry that is polluting the environment or ruining the landscape or killing the people that live around it. It is, it is toxic. And so much of what we talk about here and, and, and see around us is either directly or indirectly the result of the way we're kind of training people. You know, like it or not, you're not going to like this. Higher education is basically the trade school for the culture. It's the tech voc program for the culture. You know, it sets tastes and tones, and it, it sets expectations, and it defines what's art and what's beautiful and what's meaningful and what's good, and, 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 it, and it's not up to that. It's not up to that task. It's, it's failing us. And the funny thing is that not everybody would agree with what I just said. Like there'd be people that would be horrified at hearing that. But even they know there's something wrong with this culture. Even they know that there's something wrong around us. You look around, I don't care if you're Democrat, Republican, liberal, conservative. Nobody looks around and goes, I like the way things are going. Everything's great. This looks like a society that will go on forever. This looks like a a country that will go on forever. Nobody thinks that. So it's time to start being honest about how we get that. Now, speaking of universities, I wanted to weigh in on this. I heard a lot of people today talking about, if you don't know the college football situation, Texas A&M yesterday fired Jimbo Fisher, or Monday I guess they did, who uh, is their highly paid, very disappointing head coach. He was there about six seasons, I think, and they paid him a ton of money, which they still have to pay him, and they just didn't do what was expected. Jeff Trailer, the head coach for the UTSA Roadrunners, much smaller program, much less prestigious program, but here in Texas, has done an amazing job, has built the program, has built, it's not a, a, a juggernaut, but it's very respectable. It's been noticed nationwide. And so there's a lot of speculation that A&M will hire away Jeff, ta- Jeff uh, Trailer. Here's my two cents, and I don't have any inside information. I don't think they will. I don't know him, by the way, at all. I don't have any connection to this. We're, our sister station runs Aggie Games, but I'm not, I'm not connected to it. I just, I know that he is a good coach, but from what I've seen, the Aggies are looking for a quick hit. They're looking for, I mean, this is how they got tangled up with Jimbo Fisher. They thought they were going to um, buy themselves a national championship. And um, you hire a guy like Jeff Trailer when you want to build a program, when you want to do it incrementally, and you're not necessarily trying to win a national championship. You're you're maybe just trying to get to a 10-win season or make your school bowl eligible or recruit better, and he's very good. I'm not taking anything away from him. By the way, I'm not saying he couldn't do the job. I don't think they'll hire him. 
because I think they'll hire some big name, somebody who's splashy, somebody who will uh, who will remind us of the hiring of Jimbo Fisher. I could be wrong, but that's what I think they'll do. I know that you hear me talk about rapping with Jack a lot, and you probably figure, because we've been doing it a long time, since 1999, technically, it's easy to think, because I would think this too if I was listening to some guy on the radio, I would think, well, anything that's been going on that long and that reaches this many people, I'm sure they get a lot of gifts, and I'm sure uh, there's a lot of people that help out, and I think it's great, and all that. I, I need you to know, and I'm being totally honest with you here, it is a nail-biter every year we do this. Will we have? Uh, will we reach the, the target of donations and gifts so that each person, each member of each family served by Family Service Association has one? And I know you would agree with me. We don't want to let, leave anybody out. We don't want to leave... A family out. We don't want to leave part of a family out. So don't think we have more than enough or it'll be easy. We do need all hands on deck. And it's the only time of year I come to you and ask for anything like this. And I know I've been asking for many, many years, but it's because it's an important and it's a good cause. And I know that wherever you are on Christmas Day, if you're with loved ones or friends or family, you'll remember, you'll think about, and you'll feel good about having brought a little brightness to somebody's difficult, you know, difficult year. So having said that, go to KTSA.com, click on the Rappin' with Jack logo, if you would please, and you can see where you can give money there or buy gifts and drop them off. There's all kinds of ways to do it. We thank you. Uh, I wanted to play some uh, calls off the Jack Chat line. These are some things people are leaving for us, either podcast listeners or any any way you want to use it, 210-599-5550. Uh, as we check it out, the Jack Chat line. Uh, hey, Jack, it's Wayne Kuhn again. I'm uh, chiming in on the Israeli uh, issue uh, in the Gaza Strip. Uh, it seems to me like uh, Israel is uh, is attacking the tail of the snake instead of the head, which is Iran. Um, it'd be a perfect time for Israel to bomb their nuclear facilities right now, uh, since they're they're behind all this, and they're funding all this with uh, with uh, the terrorists. Uh, it seems to me like that Israel is is um, going to they're taking the country route to uh, solve the problem. They need to go straight to Iran, bomb their nuclear facilities, and uh, and level them, and then they'll get rid of the funds that are funding the the terrorist over there just my thoughts thanks a lot bye mm. well you know i'll give you a different way to look at it wayne i mean what we know about israel is that um they take i guess you could say revenge seriously and what's the old saying revenge is a dish best served cold what if instead of viewing their response to 
October 7th as what they're doing now, what if their actual response plays out over many years? Like, I wouldn't be surprised if long after the operations in Gaza right now are over, all of a sudden one day there's a nuclear plant accident in Iran or there's, you know, a plane full of nuclear scientists goes down or, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's kind of, and I'm not, I'm saying this with admiration, not, not, uh, criticism or anything. I, I, I think that's how they follow up. You take, you take, uh, a great risk of attacking them because they will lie in wait for the most opportune moment. Most other countries would think, well, whatever we're going to do, we got to do it right now. And we got to, do it in the eyes of the world and we got to go to the UN and we got to get our allies on board and there's something very liberating about not having allies and not having uh you know the UN isn't going to approve of anything you do you know that the international community is is looks askance at the way the Mossad operates so you are going to do it on your timetable and yeah you you may get your wish Wayne but it might not be it might be a long way off Anyway, just another way to look at it. Uh, next up on the Jack Chat. Hi, Jack. Good evening. This is Teresa Herrera from San Antonio. Um, on your comment right now about the president, um, it, it's just a shame that we can't dig up a new or another John F. Kennedy. Now, that was really a, a good president. and um, But we have Trump that we could possibly... Um, you know, bring us back to what his motto is to make America great again. And that's what we need. We need, um, I'm tired of living paycheck to paycheck and not getting anywhere, uh, with this, with this administration that we have right now. Okay. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Teresa. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it, it was interesting one time I read a, an article about how many, Presidents and presidential candidates used the phrase "Make America Great Again" or or a variation of it. It's funny to see all the pro clutching that goes on with Trump saying it, but that would have been at one time not long ago a sentiment easily embraced. Like that would have been stating the obvious in either party. Well, of course, yes, greatest country on earth. We want to make it better all the time. There's so many more ways to make it greater and, and, and restore it. And uh, it, it's it's actually pretty weird that the opposition to Trump is that somehow that is a, a, a an objectionable thing to say. You know, like, well, why, why wouldn't you want a greater, nobler, more uh, capable country? What, what what part of that is is only a Republican thing or only a Trump thing? Anyway, it's a good point. Uh, let's check another one on the Jack chat. Jack, uh, no need to play this back, but gosh, I know you don't have any control over the advertising, but that blasted Shopify Bell commercial is it's like <laughs> nails on a chalkboard every freaking time they play that oh. ding 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 ding. Mm. You know, it's just have them do the broadcast on NPR or somebody else. I mean, I actually hit mute or switch the station over to oh. WOAI when that, whenever I hear that, and they play the hell out of it on Jack, on uh, 
train in, in the morning, too. Anyway, Don, do other we than have that, that like your show, thanks. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Do we have that spot, Don? I don't even know. I'm I, not even sure I know which one that is. I knew you were going to come back to me on this. Yeah, we were talking about this earlier off the air, and I, I was hoping that whatever that spot is would come up, and I have yet to hear the ad that he's talking about. So maybe it runs in the morning, huh? Uh, well, I worked mornings. Uh, you worked mornings Alaska yesterday, yeah. did not uh, hear anything that yeah. resembles what he was talking about, so I'm... I'm hmm confused but i, I want mean, to hear the I'm not, ad i'm sure he's i'm sure it is a commercial i just I'm, i have to plead ignorance i haven't I haven't heard it so mm. um, but there are commercials like that that you there are some that it doesn't take very long for it to get under your skin right like the first few times oh, you hear yeah. it and then others it's it is the repetition the the redundancy of sure. it there's a few but i will not mention them he was right that I, I do have no control over that. Very, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> That's the end I have to look for. <laughs> what if we had a commercial with uh, a bell ringing and the and the hot girl at the same oh, time? Yeah, there you go. Ding, 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 ding. Don Cooper is a very bad man. He is a, he's a bad man. He's like a nice guy, but you don't know what he'll do. You don't know what he's capable of. Um, JR Pull, powered by River City Oral Surgery. Uh, do you have air travel plans this holiday time? Uh, there's a lot of stuff in the news about uh, what's going to be happening next week. So are you planning any air travel over, you know, the whole holiday season? Um, 20 6% said yes, 74% said no. And we'll have a new JR poll question tomorrow. We go live at 4. You can find the poll anytime at ktsa.com. Lee Greenwood is retiring. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Country music legend, the man behind God Bless the USA, says he'll retire next year during... Uh, or at the end of his tour. He made the revelation during a podcast interview with a 17-year-old uh, Republican Youth Advisory Council member. This this young man was interviewing Lee Greenwood and didn't know that there would be such a big announcement in the interview. Um, this was right before Lee did a concert in Montgomery, Alabama. Uh, Greenwood says that uh, he's in pretty good health. He's had some surgeries and hip replacement, and he says, it's not a rumor, it will be my last year to tour. What's the possibility of him running for office somewhere, maybe? Well, he um, he's kind of up there, right? I mean, kind I guess he of, could. I'm talking about, like, you know, in a small city or something But you know like what, that. Don? There's a problem. If he, if he runs for public office, whose song will he play at his rally? <laughs> That's true. See? <laughs> That's, you can't yeah. play, you can't play yourself. That could be confusing, yes. At your yeah, so <laughs> that. Uh, and speaking of music, um, if you've got some extra money laying around, not that anybody does. Uh, fans of Prince are excited to be bidding um, on various uh, pieces of his extravagant wardrobe and other collectibles. Uh, it's an online auction about to get underway. Um, a French collector had planned to open a museum honoring Prince, but scrapped the idea and instead decided to sell the items. Uh, 
Highlights of the auction include the white, puffy, ruffled shirt worn by Prince when he sang Purple Rain at the American Music Awards in 1985. That is expected to fetch into the five figures. So if you want to dress like Prince. But see, that's the thing. You can't, like, you can buy this stuff. But you can't be dressing like Prince. Some schlub can't put this shirt on and wear it around. I mean, right? Like you gotta, you gotta put it like in a shadow box or display case or something like that. I don't think Prince, Prince, only Prince could dress like Prince. You know, I'm gonna say it. Man in St. Louis was being carjacked when he came up with a novel. Um. I guess you could say defense tactic. You know, people do all kinds of things. Some people hand over the keys. Some people fight. Uh, This man was being threatened by Romay Taylor, age 37, with an axe as he got out of his car. Thinking quickly, the owner of the car asked Romay Taylor to pray with him. The carjacker at first walked away. Disgusted and confused by the request, the driver began to pray. Then he came back, and they did pray. And police say that Romay Taylor is not only being charged with carjacking, but he's also wanted in a bank robbery last month. It's a very interesting approach. I guess you could say, um, you know... He he called the ultimate nine one one there, right? I mean, that's the that's the that's the real nine one one when you do that. Um, good that everybody is okay. Thank you for being here. See you back here live at four tomorrow.